0: Well, I was about four years old when the very first Star Wars movie came out. I remember the first time I saw it. I was in a drive-in theater. I can even remember seeing Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and Chewbacca and the whole crew flying across that huge screen. And from that moment, I was hooked. I probably watched those first three Star Wars movies as a kid more than a hundred times. And then last week, I finally got to watch episode 9 and I still love the story. I still love the characters even though I'm an adult now. Now, Maybe there are just a few of you watching and you're not very familiar with the whole Star Wars universe but there's this one major part of the story and it's something called the force. You know about the force? The force is this energy that flows through everything in the Star Wars universe. It binds everything together and if you're a true believer in the force, well you can use it and change the world around you. For example, you can like move objects and you don't even have to touch them. In fact, there's a scene in the latest film where the main character, she's in this state where she's meditating and focusing on the force and she's actually keeping these rocks levitating in the air all around her and then someone comes in and breaks her concentration and they all fall to the ground. See this force, this power, it's like this thing somewhere out there, you can't see it. But if you can just concentrate hard enough, focus well enough, or believe in it strong enough, then you can tap into that force. You can make things happen. Now the reason I bring that up is this. That's the way most people think about faith. And if you were here last week for part one of this series, we talked about this. See, for many people, even for a lot of us Christians, Faith is this invisible thing that if I just have enough of it or if it's just strong enough in me, well, it'll work for me. And we learned that a lot of us define faith based on our circumstances. In other words, if things are going well for me in my life, well, then I must be doing faith right. I must be believing hard enough. I must be faithing right. But if life's not going well for me, well, then there must be something wrong with me. Or there must be something wrong with my faith. Or even worse, there's something wrong with God. See, this is one of the reasons I found that a lot of people that I've met, they struggle with Christianity. In fact, maybe this is why you have a hard time buying into it. Maybe this is the reason that you walked away from your faith. Because you tried it. You believed all the stuff that they told you to believe. You, you did all the things that they told you to do, and it didn't work. Life didn't get better. In fact, for you, it may have even gotten harder. The relationship didn't work out. Your kids didn't come home. Your, your loved one wasn't healed. You still lost your job, and you just started thinking, look, either there's something wrong with me, or there's got to be something wrong with God, but whichever one it is, it doesn't matter, because this faith thing, it ain't working and why would I keep doing something that just isn't working? But what if I told you that the problem isn't you and the problem isn't God and the problem isn't even how much faith you have or how little faith you have. What if the problem is you just got a bad definition of what faith really is? See, what if faith is not a force like in the Star Wars movies? What if faith has very little to do with you and very little to do with me. And what if faith is simpler and less complicated than you can even imagine? Well, today I want to introduce you to a better definition of faith. And even though it's not the most popular definition, it's actually the definition used by Jesus and the writers of the Bible. And see, I believe if we can all adopt this as our new definition of faith, it'll change everything. It'll change the way you view God, the way you view yourself, and the way you relate to God in your normal, everyday life. Because, see, this definition is not found by looking at our circumstances or looking at what's happening all around us. It isn't even found by looking at the results of your faith. It's found by looking at the source of faith. And, you know, that's what this next song reminds us of. That faith is not found when we look at our circumstances, but when we look to the God who is always with us.
1: Well, I hope you will join in with singing with us today to our God, who is faithful and trustworthy, and so in every situation we look to Him. His ways are higher than our own. Your ways are higher. So we trust in you You're always faithful And you bring us through You are greater Than anything that comes our way So we will follow Where you
2: lead We look to
1: Oh, the one who brings us through we will look to you you're the God you're the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way you're the one who brings us through we will look to you sing that again church you're the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way You're the one who brings us through
0: Now, before we look at what faith is, let's get real clear about what faith is not. See, faith is not a power or a force. Faith isn't something that I can use to my advantage to get God to do the things I want Him to do. I can't use faith to just believe things into existence. Like if somehow I could believe hard enough that God will do something, that'll convince Him to act on my behalf. Now listen, of course, that doesn't mean God won't act on your behalf, but if He chooses to, it's not because my faith forced Him into it. Faith is also not a formula. There aren't some magic words you can say in a prayer just the right way that somehow moves God to do something. There aren't a set of good deeds that you can do that get God's attention. Like if I go to church every Sunday for a month, or I serve a poor person, or I give away some money, then God will come through and answer my prayer. That's not how it works. Faith isn't just being confident. In fact, you've ever met someone who, when something really bad happens in their life, they just seem to really be confident that everything's going to be okay and everything's going to turn out right in the end, like this really optimistic person? Now listen, those may be great people to hang around, I mean, it's better than hanging out with a Debbie Downer, someone who's negative all the time. But being optimistic, it's not faith. It's a good thing. And we should all probably work on being more optimistic. Let's just don't confuse that with faith. So if that's what faith is not, then what is faith? And how do we define it? Well, the writer of a book in the Bible called Hebrews, he makes a statement about faith that's going to help us get to our definition. Let's look at his statement. Here's what he said. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. Now, that phrase right there tells us something really important about faith. See, faith is not the same as hope. In fact, this writer says that faith is even more than hope. It's taking hope one step further. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. In other words, he's saying there's something that hasn't happened yet, but you really want it to. So you're hoping that that thing will happen. And that's what hope is. But see, faith goes one step further. Faith is when you become sure or you get completely confident of that thing you're hoping for. To which you might be saying, okay, wait a minute. I thought you just said a minute ago that faith wasn't about being confident. Well, you're right, I did. But we're not done yet, so hang on. And I think I'll be able to clear that up for you. I wanna give you an illustration for you to just think about. Suppose I sent you a text message on your phone right now and it said this, meet me for coffee at Starbucks tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Now, when I hit send, in that moment, what do I have? I have hope. I'm hoping that you'll join me tomorrow morning at Starbucks. But am I confident that you'll be there? Am I absolutely sure that you'll show up? Not really. So here's a question. What would have to happen next to make my hope turn into faith? What would I need to become sure of the thing that right now I'm only just hoping for? You have an answer? In fact, if you're watching with someone right now, feel free to just tell them what your answer is. Or maybe you're watching this alone. You just want to say it out loud. I don't know, maybe that's weird, but you can go ahead and do that. Well, hang on to that answer because I'm going to come back to it in just a few minutes and we'll see if your answer was right. But, there's a second part to that verse that we just read and it helps give us an even more complete picture of the definition of faith. So here it is. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now that phrase, what we do not see, when you look at it in its context, it isn't talking about stuff you can't see physically. It's just another way of saying something that hasn't happened yet. In other words, something you haven't seen come into reality. So if you put all those ideas together, here's what the writer of this verse is saying. He says, there's something that hasn't happened yet, but I'm hoping that it will happen. I want to see it happen. Faith is when I become completely sure, totally confident that this thing that I hope for will actually happen. Then the writer goes on, and he gives some examples of what this actually looks like. And he goes back into the Old Testament, or the older part of your Bible, and he retells the stories of these men and women who had this kind of faith. Now, I don't have time to get into all of those stories, but I just want to point out two of them for you to look at. And these are two that I think most of you have probably heard of. The first guy he mentions is named Noah. You may recognize Noah's story. He tells it this way. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. See, God came to Noah and he told him that there would soon be a flood and it was going to destroy the whole earth. So Noah builds this enormous boat called an ark where he and his family and a whole bunch of animals, they get saved from the floodwaters. And the writer here tells us that he did all of that by faith. Now, here's what I want you to notice about this example. Did Noah build a boat because one day he just got the idea that, hey, there's a flood coming? And did Noah just believe in that flood so strongly that he began praying and praying that God would send rain and that he and his family would be saved by this boat? No, that's not what happened at all. In fact, Who initiated the encounter that led Noah to build that boat? Who gave Noah the idea that a flood was coming? God did. It was God who told Noah that a flood was coming, and then Noah built a boat by faith, even though we find out as we read the rest of the story, Noah had never seen a flood before in his life. Now think about that for a second. Noah had never seen a flood, and yet he builds a boat that will save him from one. Now here's another example from the very next verse. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. See, Abraham's story, it goes like this. One day God promises Abraham that he's gonna have a son And that son is eventually going to grow into descendants. And those descendants would eventually become a nation. And that nation would one day change the entire world. Now, we know what that means because we know that Jesus, the Son of God, was born as a direct descendant of Abraham. But at the moment, Abraham didn't have any idea what was coming. All he knows is God's going to build a nation through him And God instructs him. He says, pack up everything you own and just leave. Well, leave and go where, God? I'll tell you when we get there. Just go. And so Abraham, he does exactly as he's instructed, even though he has no children. And he does it by faith. Question, did Abraham just hope for it? Was he just believing real hard that all of this stuff would happen that he'd never seen before? No. So why did Abraham pack up and leave? Whose idea was it? It was God's idea. See, in both of those stories, it was God who was the initiator. He's the one who started the faith of these two men. God came to them and he made them a promise that he would do something in the future. Noah, I'm going to save your family. Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And when that promise was given, both of them became confident of what they hoped for. And they began trusting that God would come through on his promise. And for both of them, that was the bridge that led them from hope to faith. The bridge was the promise that God had made to them. So, let's get back to my earlier question. Remember about my text message invitation? When I send a text inviting you to have coffee with me tomorrow morning, what's the one thing that can turn my hope that you'll show up into faith that you'll show up? What's the bridge between my hope and my faith? It's your promise. It's you sending me back a response that says, yeah, I'll be there. Because when you do that, I now have every reason to believe that you will do what you said you would do. And so what do I do in response? Well, I show up at Starbucks in the morning with a whole lot more than just hope. I come with faith that you'll do what you said you'd do because I've been given a promise from you. And see that right there, that is the true definition of faith according to the writers of the Bible. Faith is the confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do everything he's promised to do. Faith is the confidence that God is exactly who he says he is, that he's the creator, he's the sustainer of the entire universe, that there's nothing he doesn't know, and there's nothing he cannot do. So that means he has the ability to do exactly what he promised. Faith is also the confidence that when God makes a promise, he'll always keep that promise because God doesn't lie. So whenever God makes a promise, I can be confident he will keep that promise. And see, that... Is the definition of faith. Confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do everything he's promised to do.
2: Darkest day, mate. Jesus, this we know. Joy
0: See, that's what faith is. It's knowing that God is God and that He'll keep every promise that He's ever made to us. And we can hold on to that confidence. But see, here's where I think a lot of people get off track when it comes to how we think about faith. And I'm including myself in this too. See, like I said earlier, when we, it's when we start to use faith like Luke Skywalker uses the force. There's something that I want, something I really want to see happen, a prayer that I want answered. And it can be a very legitimate, unselfish request. And so what do I do? I reach out with my faith and I start believing real hard and I pray real sincere. And if I can just believe long enough and I can pray just right, then I'll get God on the hook. If I do what He's told me to do, then He's got to come through. He's got to do what I ask Him to do, right? He has to come through for me. But here's the problem. Most of the time, we're asking and we're praying and sometimes we're even demanding things from God that frankly, God never promised to us. It's like I send God a text to show up at a certain time in a certain way and to do a very specific thing, but God never sent a text back with a promise that he'd be there. But I keep expecting to get what I asked for just because I asked or just because I believed, just because I prayed. And listen, I don't mean to offend you by saying this, but do you know what that is? It's false hope. In fact, it's worse than that it's presumptuous. It's me presuming to tell God what I think he should or shouldn't do, and then when he doesn't do what I tell him to do, well, I get mad at him. And here's what I think is the sad part of this. There's probably someone, and you're watching me right now, you walked away from God because of something God never promised to do for you. And when you didn't get it, you gave up on faith gave up on God. And listen, I can understand that. I get how that feels. That's why it's so important that you move from hope to faith. See, if you're ever going to follow Jesus for the long haul, this is just essential. Because if you stay stuck on hope, you're going to keep expecting things from God that God never said that he would do for you. And you'll keep on getting disappointed, maybe even angry. And you'll start to think there's something wrong with you or there's something wrong with God. And eventually, you'll bail. Now, I know what you're thinking. Okay, so does that mean that I can't ever ask God for stuff that God didn't specifically promise that he'd do for me? No, that's not what it means at all. In fact, let me tell you a story. One day, there's a man who had leprosy. And he came running up to Jesus. Now, If you don't know this, leprosy is a terrible disease. It's where your nerve endings die, which causes you to get these really bad injuries that never really heal and it starts in your extremities like your fingers and your toes and your nose and your body parts just start to deteriorate and fall off. It's it's a horrible existence. And people in Jesus' day, they considered lepers to be this unclean, untouchable class of people. But this man, he comes to Jesus and he falls on his face in front of him and he says to Jesus, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me, you can make me clean." Now notice what this man didn't say to Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, I'm here to claim my healing. I've got the faith to believe for my miracle. So I need you to come through for me. Jesus, I need you to give me what I'm asking for. He didn't say any of that. But look at what he did say. In essence, the man says, Jesus, you're Lord, I I believe that you are who you claim to be. I believe you have the ability to make me well again. And even though I know you never promised that you'd heal me specifically, here I am. And I just submit to whatever you wanna do. You don't have to heal me, I know that. But I'm hoping you will. And you know what Jesus' reply was to the man? Jesus said, I am willing. You know something with those words? something happened in that moment. That man's hope turned into faith because Jesus just made him a promise and then Jesus kept that promise and the man was instantly healed. See, the God that Jesus reveals to us, he's not some God who's sitting up in heaven on a big pile of all these wonderful blessings and he's just waiting for us to ask the right way and believe hard enough and have enough faith before he'll ever want to give them to us. No, God is a perfect, loving father who loves to give good things to his children. But just like any good father, he never promises to do every single thing that we ask him to do, no matter how much we want it or how hard we believe for it. And don't you understand that? I mean, I get this. I'm sure you do too. Every good parent says no sometimes. And I can't even count the number of times that I've said no and disappointed my daughters. And if you're a parent... I bet you'd say the same thing. It doesn't mean I don't love them. And it doesn't mean that I'm not still working every moment for their good. Okay? So does that mean if God didn't promise you something that you should never even bother asking him for it? Again, of course not. That's not how the man with leprosy approached Jesus. So you should come to God. You should ask him for whatever it is that you want, knowing that he can do it and hoping that he will. See, that's all the leper had. And in the end, it was all he needed. And then you know what God says to you and what he says to me? God says, you know what? Some days when you ask me for things, I'm going to be so willing, it's going to blow you away. Some days I'm going to say, just wait for a bit. I'll be willing and I'll do that later. But there will be other days God will say, I won't be willing to do that at all. But every time you pray, you can get up off of your knees and you can know this one thing for sure. God says, I love you and I will always want what's best for you. And that will never, ever change. And here's what's so great about that. It's why this is so important for you and me to understand. When you know your heavenly father that way, when you relate to your heavenly father this way, and your heavenly father says no to you, it won't rock your faith because your faith isn't based on circumstances. Your confidence is in the God who made the universe, the one who sent his son into the world to reveal himself to you so that you would know that he loves you and that he always has your best interest in mind when you can see it and understand it and even when you can't. So what do I ask God for? (laughs) Absolutely everything. Just like a child asks their loving parent, for everything. You come to your heavenly Father with all of your requests, and you say to him, Father, I know you can do this. I'm hoping you're willing to do it, but I know your ways, they're higher than mine, and your thoughts, they're greater than mine, and I may not completely agree with your answer. I may not even understand it, but whatever it is, I trust you because I know that you love me. i You know, this new definition that we learned today, that faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and he'll do everything he promised to do. It leads a lot of us to ask the question, so what exactly has God promised to do for me? What has he promised to do for you? What can I expect from God every single time? Well, we're going to dive into those questions next week in the next episode of our faith series. I hope you'll join us for that, but for right now, We're going to pause and remember the moment in history when God kept his greatest promise to us. When he sent Jesus to die on the cross to make us right with God. So i want to lead you today in taking communion together. This is where followers of Jesus honor and remember his death and his resurrection the way that he asked us to. We eat and drink symbols that represent Jesus' body and his blood given for us on the cross. So... If you'd like to, go ahead and take the symbols that you have on hand wherever you are. Some bread or a cracker to represent Jesus' body. Some juice or some water, whatever you have, to represent his blood. But if you're here today and you're not sure about any of this yet, then you can just feel free to watch and listen. But for followers of Jesus, let's take the bread and let's remember this is the body of Jesus that he offered freely out of love for us also that we could know God. And we could live together with him for eternity. Let's eat the bread together. And this is the blood of Jesus. It was poured out for us to seal God's promise to rescue us from our sin and give us new life in his kingdom. Let's drink together. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for that promise that you made you fulfilled. You sent your son out of love for us and made us right again, made it possible to be in relationship with you. God, I pray that today as we learn the true nature of what faith is, that we would lean into your promises and that it would cause us to, to know you better and to know you in a brand new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today at Community Christian Church Online. We're honored that you spent this time out of your day with us. But I'm hoping that your interaction with us, well, it goes beyond just watching this video. So if today's experience has left you with questions or some things that you'd like to talk about with someone, maybe you'd like to know what your next step ought to be in your faith journey and you're just not sure. Or maybe you want to connect with some people right now in our church Or maybe you just want to let us know that you're here, that you're watching today. Whatever your step may be, I want to invite you to text the number that you see on your screen right now, and we'll respond to you today, and we'll serve you in any way that we can. And don't forget to visit our website and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you'll stay up to date and get access to all the resources that we have for you. And I also want to invite you, join us right here next Sunday for part three in our series on faith. We love you guys. Stay safe. Have a great week.